there is this this theme that runs through most of the relationship coaching that I've done. That one or both parties in a relationship oftentimes will carry a deep, profound imprints inside of them that are emotionally unresolved. Any successful relationship starts with finding your center, the truth at the core of who you are. Only then can you develop the ability to truly connect with someone else. Concentric is about aligning with people who share a common center. This show gives you the tools and the skills to do just that through practical training, real life stories and examples, and in-depth interviews with people who have taken this journey and come out the other side better for it. Welcome to Concentric. We're glad you're here. Welcome to episode 20 of Concentric. Today, Gary and I are talking about really this incredible way to make any relationship work and really the only way you can make a relationship work. And it involves, you know, first getting right with yourself, (laughs) certainly. Um, If you've listened to all the episodes of this show or many of them, you know, that's a, a common theme because in Gary's work, that's a common theme because it's core and foundational to anything we want to accomplish. First, getting right with ourselves. Um, if we're having conflict in a relationship, what what role do we play in that conflict? Even if we don't think <laughs> there's any, it, it's strong when you can sit there and ask yourself, well, if, if it were my fault, why would it be my fault? Maybe, you know, some questions like that. We dig in, in into that and really getting into that foundational aspect of figuring that out. If something's triggering you in a relationship, in multiple relationships, there's probably something there in form of a, of a past trauma, something that you may not even consciously be aware of that is causing you to react in a certain way um, in those situations. And this is a really powerful episode because Gary actually walks us through that process that he takes his clients through, that he's building uh, entire certifications around to heal that trauma and to get past it, get through it. So um, certainly you can, you know, listen to this episode and, and learn about that and hear him going through it. But if you follow along with him and kind of take yourself through this process, you know, make sure you're not driving, (laughs) make sure you're not operating heavy machinery (laughs) or anything like that. And you're in a, you know, a quiet spot that you can sit and and close your eyes some and and go through this. Um, But it's, it's really powerful. And we get into, you know, how it's helped um, some of his clients as well in, in a really profound and rapid way. So whether you're just starting a relationship or you're in the middle of one and you just can't seem to figure out why there's conflict that there is, this is a really powerful episode. So let's jump in. Welcome to Concentric, everyone. Gary, how is it going? I'm going great. Um, I've had a great day. 
um, lovely pre-conversation with you, which is always you know, a joy for me. So I know we, we, uh, likewise, we, we almost forgot to record and have an episode here. <laughs> and I was ready. I was like, all right, see you later. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Haven't recorded yet. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why I tell people I, this is, this is a selfish endeavor, uh, having this show because we get to, we get to catch up and, uh, have great conversations. It's lovely for me as well, my friend. Since we are recording an episode today, I wanted to talk about relationships, which, you know, of course we always talk about. Um, but I think, I think you've got something really amazing here as we started to, to touch on it that nobody else is talking about that creates a successful relationship, right? There's some, some elements to things that, you know, whether you're in the middle of, oh no, things are horrible or maybe have a brand new relationship. This is going to help either way. I think when you have this kind of, this kind of insight. So I hope that's enough of a, of a lead in here to, to set that up because I want to hear more for sure. No, I'm, I'm really happy to talk about it because I've been, uh, I, I let you know that I have finished my book after years and years and years. And, um, and I'm a really excited about it from the perspective that as I was doing the research and digging through my own, you know, experience and my own trainings and the, you know, the hundreds of clients I've seen, there is this, this theme that runs through most of the relationship, um, training and most of the relationship coaching that I've done. And that theme is that one or both parties in a relationship oftentimes will carry deep, profound imprints inside of them that are emotionally unresolved. Now, one of the things that, that we'll have to understand is that we have a subconscious mind. It is 90% of who we are. And that 90% of who we are, one of its highest prime directives is to bring up for resolution those events and those emotional states that have gone unresolved. Because when the trauma generally happened, the trauma literally can happen at a very young age. We don't have the resources. But as we mature, that, that trauma will gently or sometimes aggressively rise to the forefront of our awareness, triggered by circumstances in our life now here's so the deal. it's and so when you talk about imprint early on like that's that's what you're talking about these these events yeah. these these traumas yeah think about it this way that that picture sounds and feelings from from any event enters our five senses you know our sight our hearing our taste our smell our sense of touch as it enters our nervous system it creates an imprint upon us and we lodge that information somewhere inside our nervous system and in our brains that is retrievable through a trigger that will happen out here or it's retrievable through eye patterns. When people are looking up, they're sorting for visual images. When they're looking laterally, they're sorting for sounds. When they look down, they're sorting for feelings. And when people's eyes are moving, like you ask them a question, we've kind of spoken about this before, but you'll ask a person a question and their eyes will go in random directions in order to answer your 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 question that, that you've asked. 
they're looking for the picture sounds and feelings of the data that comprises the answer. So all of all of our experiences are really locked into us in picture sounds and feelings and memories. We have a reptilian brain that clicks on that goes when it's triggered and the main thing that happens is that our brain will retain the negative far more than it'll retain the positive because there, we have a very primitive part of our brain that goes, ultimately, its job is to protect our survival. So when we have a trauma, that trauma, if there's even a hint of what's happening out here, is like even remotely like what happened before when the traumatic event happened, it will bring forward this, this dump of cortisol and adrenaline, and we will be responsive to it, and we won't have necessarily a lot of reasoning ability in handling it. Yeah. This happens over and over and over again. Yeah, and and something kind of a wild insight that I I just learned about a few weeks ago was how much our brains too like just to add to that complex nature already <laughs> how we take in information. I think most of us think about our brains like a computer, right? Information comes in through those senses that you talk about, and it goes to some part of our brain and is stored there. Sometimes retrieved, sometimes these events retrieve it. But to add to that, what really happens is it, it it's stored in multiple parts of our brains in little pieces, depending on our filters of belief and what's going on and meaning and all of that. They're going to different different parts. So it's not this like database that we can understand like, a computer drive, right? It goes there and then I call it back. But it's even going in with this filter and changing things up. So reality for us, you know, of like a memory of an event can be colored in so many different ways. And so when you add that to everything you just described, the tiniest little thing happening, maybe when we're a child, is this big giant traumatic event just because of how it all got in there right well also based upon the experience of of yourself at whatever age that happened if your experience is very very minimal and you're fresh on the planet and fresh in the body and suddenly you have this experience that is so extreme for your sensitive nervous system at that moment it, it would be very little to you as an adult but as a very small child it can be very very traumatic they've actually even said that that the a mother's facial expression as a baby can cause ptsd in a child's body so when we start looking at what is what are these imprints, these collective imprints that we're bringing into our relationships, both professionally and personally? And if we are a collection, and we are a collection of all our all of our past learnings, deepest imprints in our nervous system between birth and seven. So, and we're bringing all of this into an environment, and we'll just keep it in the context of a one-on-one -on -one relationship. I was working with a client about a year ago, and one of the one of the aspects of this client's situation was um, the the gentleman felt always as a very young boy, 
his main wound that he was bringing in, which he, which kind of showed itself within the couples coaching, was that he never felt like he was important and not important to his parents, not important to his siblings. He just wasn't important. His parents were um, alcoholic, um, highly dysfunctional. There was a lot of fighting. There was sibling rivalry. Um, violence between the parents caused violence between the siblings. And he always felt like he just was never seen, never heard, and was just not important. He gets in a relationship with a, a pretty, um, I'll say, accomplished young lady. Very smart, very academic, very driven in her career. And on also wanting to accomplish for her own sense of self um, self-accomplishment and her own identity and sense of self. So she's driving forward in her career. She's fully committed. She's getting to the next level of an upper management job. And he's sitting back fuming and feeling destroyed because the person he thought would finally fill the void inside of him is now has a, has the focus is not entirely on him. The focus is is diffused into other things that are very personal for her to accomplish. And so the conflict between them always was that no matter what she did, he never felt seen, he never felt important in her eyes. No matter what she would do, it never, ever gave him that the, the well-being to fill up that hole of need inside of him. So as a consequence, it was not her responsibility to fill the hole of need that's been broken in him his whole life. It's his responsibility. And so then we have to look at how do we start building up a person's identity? How do we diffuse the pain of the past that he carries with him, that's visceral with him? It's real. It is, it is a reality for him. How do we begin to start making that feel different? Because all of his references now as an adult is just pictures, sounds, and feelings that it entered his nervous system at a very young age and has never been challenged until he reaches adulthood. So the book I'm writing is about how to resolve transgenerational and acute trauma because our memories compounded together over a sequence of, I'll say, negative memories and negative events that compounded negative memories create trauma. They create evidence over time that what I've experienced, because it keeps repeating and repeating and repeating, must be true about me. And so unless we can redefine that, we can't, we can't put um, a great success strategy over an already ill-built foundation of I feel horrible about myself and I don't feel great about me and I'm not important. We can't put success strategies over that because we won't have the emotional motivation or juice to drive those strategies to fulfillment. We have to do the work at the deep structure, at the aquifer underneath. When we do it there, then we can lay the success strategies over them over ourselves and implement them and they will stick. Most people yeah. in the personal development field are driving forward this, you know, 
oh, well, I'm going to learn this new success strategy and I'm going to go to this great seminar and I'm going to feel great for like, you know, I'm going to walk on fire and I'm going to feel great for like two weeks. Because just they keep putting things on top of that shaky foundation. Exactly. Yeah. But the foundation is broken. And unless we begin to start bringing that deeper healing to ourselves, we will have this transference of our pain, transference of our need onto our partners. And from a, a very true perspective, we have a reticular activating system that a little organ in the back of the brain, it will not even, it's like an algorithm. You know, you order something on May, on Wayfair, uh, you, you search for rugs, and then before you know it, all you start getting are ads from Wayfair on rug sales, right? It's an algorithm. It's, it's like when we believe something about ourselves so strongly, we can't even see contrary evidence to our belief system. So what happens is our partner will say X, Y, and Z completely innocent. And we'll go, oh my God, that means that about me. And become deeply hurt, introverted, silent, non-communicative, or angry. And the partner's like going, what did I do? Like, you're like so reactive, I can't even hold a conversation with you. And without that ability for each individual to walk into a, a relationship, and I take full ownership, have done the deeper work, then and only then can we begin to start layering on those success strategies, those conversation, those conversational strategies and start to yeah. success consistently. Yeah. And, and, and we can, most of us, I think, can, you know, we, we know those, those people, wh whether it's affirmation or whatever they're love languages or whatever their their thing is who you just you know that it doesn't matter how you do it how much you do it it's never going to be enough ever like it it doesn't matter like just like in that example you gave and you know we go through these stages some people are just completely clueless as to any of the, the the what's causing all of this in a relationship and they're just they just know they're fighting and even that next level down though kind of what you alluded to of like okay we want to get this thing figured out it's still the language is still in in action right it's in well i need you to do this right but then that's still <laughs> just putting stuff on and that's where we get to it's never going to be enough so if someone's in the middle of just turmoil and they even if they think they know <laughs> well it's because my partner doesn't do this how do we kind of either get through to them or them listening to this and, and getting to some level how do they find out and realize okay let me take a look inside what are they looking for what can they what can they do to go, okay, the actions aren't enough, so I, there must be something deeper here. Yes, and that's that's a great question. And what I'll say is that, um, you know, you know, well, you know, but other people may not know, um, that I developed a, a technique called the trauma memory resolution technique, and it decodes your nervous system in anywhere from 10 minutes to 20 minutes from, um, from historical memories that hold a very deep or profound negative charge to them. 
And unless we start cleaning that up, we can't even start approaching our beliefs. We carry too much emotional luggage with us, and that creates transference of our emotional responsibility onto another because most people are looking to be rescued from how they feel bad about themselves. They look outside themselves for validation. They look outside themselves for, of course, the love, acceptance, nurturing, and comfort, which exists in all relationships to a degree. But when people really want sustainable relationships or when one of one member of the partnership, you know, has a trigger that makes them nosedive, they either nosedive into addiction, they nosedive into drugs and alcohol, they nosedive into oversexualization, they nosedive into something to try to squale the pain that they're feeling, or because they haven't been able to deal with it, they pass it on to their partner and said, if you do X, Y, and Z, then that will make me feel this way, and then I'll feel better. And then the partner becomes like a trained poodle. It's like, I have to jump through these hoops in order for you to be kind to me, which then builds up resentment on the other side of the equation. And before you know it, you have just resentment built and the love starts to fade and diminish. So the one thing, I'll answer your question now, but the one thing that we have to really start doing is when we have a deep, profound feeling and we want to take, ultimately, this is where the healing happens. We have to take ownership. We have to take ownership that no one has caused me suffering, unless it's physical suffering, then they've caused suffering, but I'm talking about emotional suffering. Um, we have to remember that we're 50% responsible for whatever we co-create with another person. It's 50% it's ours, 50% them. No one is a complete victim. No one's a complete villain. And certainly no one is a complete hero. And we have to step out of the drama triangle and we have to start looking at ourselves. And the first step in that, and more of the empowerment triangle is I have to take ownership. I have to look in and say, okay, how did I choose this? First of all, how did I, how have I created this circumstance for myself? Um, and if it's a violent circumstance, then you need to absolutely unequivocally check out and leave the violent circumstance so that you protect your body and you protect yourself. That's imperative. But when we're working on our emotional well-being in a relationship, it really is about this emotion. If I am being deeply, profoundly triggered, then it's not just this situation. You have to ask yourself, why am I so angry or so hurt right now? What is coming up in me that is historical? What is that sort of well that's starting to rise in me that I feel like I'm going to lose control or I'm going to, I'm going to become so unreasonable I can't, I can't function? That is something that is from compounded experiences of that emotion or that belief acting itself out in your current reality. And that is where if we can go to the root cause or get near to the root cause of when that originating event happened, then we can begin to start diffusing the stack of those events that had that emotion linked to them that causes the moment to be so explosive. Yeah. And there is a way to get there, but go ahead and ask the next question. Well, I was going to, I was just going to say that, that's a, that's a great 
clue, right? There's a couple of clues there. One is if you find yourself in that reactive state and you're just like, even if you feel justified, like I know why I'm reacting is because so-and-so did that. But if you're even, you know, almost looking from the outside going like, okay, but but why that mad? <laughs> you know, that's that's one of those those clues. And then and another is, you know, is this the second, third, fourth partner who always does this to you? You know, like that's another clue of just like, okay, something's going me. And and again, it's like layers of of understanding it, you know, because you, you take, sometimes you get into, why do I always attract this type of person? Like, so there's some awareness going on that, you know, but it's still, it's still external a little bit. It's still, I'm attracting that kind of person rather than, okay, maybe they're not even that kind of person. Maybe this is how I'm taking. And, and again, that, that, that gives you a little clue to go even deeper. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you want to take a deep dive into the concepts Gary is talking about here and so much more, I've got something for you. From time to time on the show, you may hear us talk about Gary's course, Creating Incredible Relationships. This course is the culmination of Gary's 35 years worth of seminars, one-on-one training, and transforming the lives of over 11,000 people on four different continents. To learn how to build alignment and heck, just get along with others sometimes, we all require skills that are not commonly known and are not out there in the relationship development space. We need help. That's why Gary put this course together. The content in it is powerful and comprehensive, but just like we've done with this show, it's put together in a way that's easily consumable and quickly implemented. To gain the ability to take every relationship you have or want to have to the next level, Go to garyscourse.com and see how to get started. Now, back to the show. The system is that when you have that emotion, that whatever that emotion is, whether it's, it's, it's hurt or embarrassment or betrayal or shame or guilt or deep anger or rejection, you know, whatever those, those are, it's really important that you sit with yourself and look at when was when were the times in my history almost like doing an historical timeline where were the times in my history where i felt this feeling like where did it show up how far back does it go where did i feel it where did i feel it profoundly make a list a historical list a timeline for that emotional state now I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and give a solution that people can use because it, it will help. It's always best to be facilitated, but it will take the edge off of the, the history of those events. Cause people go, well, what, how does that help me if I identify where they are, but then I don't know what to do with them. So you take each individual event, each one singularly, not all ones, but singularly. And you remember that event. Now I'm going to stop there and then I'm going to tell you what to do to prepare to do the work on that event. The HNLP work, which is humanistic neurolinguistic psychology is all about bringing resources to where you don't have them. 
And the resources always have to be stronger than the place in which you are attempting to heal or change. Remember I established in our earlier conversation that the only way we know who we are is by pictures, sounds, and feelings. That's it. That's glued together in a very specific sequence that retrieves it in the same like emotional punch. So what we want to do is be able to shift the internal representation of that particular event because that changes the emotion and shift the eye pattern sequence that that particular event is locked into our nervous system. So I'm, we're just going to establish that. But this is what you have to do first before we do anything else. You have to begin to start thinking about, in fact, if you're thinking about the negative event, you sort of have to break your state. So go into the bathroom, throw water on your face, twirl around three times, go out and do a run, come back, break your state. Because in order to go to the very first thing you have to do, once you're aware of this stuff, is you have to get yourself resourced. Think about it like you're going to go to the bank of my very best experiences I've ever had, and I'm going to do some withdrawals that I'm going to pay down that particular negative thing that just happened. I'm going to work on it until I feel pretty neutral about it, and I can function, I can reason, and I can problem solve. So what we want to do is break our state. Second thing that we want to do is go to several different questions. Like I want people to go into, remember whatever you focus on, you make stronger and more powerful in you. So you go to, I, I need to think of at least twice that I felt deeply loved, like deep loved dog, cat, bird, person, horse, fish, don't care. Two times at least that I've been, I really felt deeply loved. If you can't get two, get one. They go to, okay, a time that I felt like I loved deeply. Get the feeling of loving deeply and the emotional state of loving deeply. In other words, associate into that. The next, a time I did something, didn't think I could do, but I did it. Associate into that. Feel it. Next, a time that I almost fell down laughing. Think about it. Associate into it. Feel it. A time that I was inspired by nature. Associate into it. Feel it. A time I felt close to whatever I consider God for me. Associate into it. Feel it. And do this two or three times, stacking and stacking and stacking and stacking positive events. Next thing you do is you say to yourself, if all these great events could be represented by a color, what color would they be? Get a color. If they could be represented by an image or a symbol, what image or symbol would represent them best? Get the image, get the symbol, write it down. If they could be represented all these great events in my life by a sound, what sound would best represent all these great things? Write it down. If they could be represented by a smell, what smell would represent all these great things in my life? Write it down. And if they could be represented by a taste, what taste would represent it? Write it down. So now you have all these great resources for yourself. Then, you remember that in the HNLP eye pattern chart, there's six points, two lateral with the eyes, two above the eyes, two below the eyes, six points. I'll say it again, two lateral with the eyes, two above the eyes, two below the eyes. What we want to do is once you make your list of every single time you felt that feeling, 
Go to the earliest one. Close your eyes. Go into the emotion of that earliest event. Open up your eyes and run your eyes in random patterns from dot to dot to dot. Now, I'm going to do it and I'll look a little crazy and that's fine. But how you do that is you put six dots up on a wall or on a mirror. Two lateral of the eyes, two above, two below. And then you just go into the feeling, associate into the negative memory, and start running your eyes from dot to dot to dot in completely random patterns. Once you do that, the next thing you do, you do that for a couple minutes. Next thing you do is you flood it with the power of your imagination, with the color of your resources, and you make it that color, completely down to the DNA, down to the molecular level. You bolt on billions of the symbols of the best things of your life in your imagination over that seed. Bolt on billions. You hear the sound amplified of the sound that represents the best things of your life flooding through that memory. Then you take in a deep breath of the smell that represents the best things of your life. And then you taste the taste of the best things of your life as you're running your eyes consecutively, nonstop, and completely random patterns through that particular memory. Now, what will happen is, after about maybe five minutes of doing this, remembering the event, struggling to hold on to the negative emotions of the event, flooding it with the color, bolting on the symbols, hearing the sounds, breathing in the smell, tasting the taste, and running the eyes. You do that with every event you ever felt that emotion. This will take you about an hour to start cleaning up the history of that that happened to you. And once you clean up the history and make it more emotionally neutral in your nervous system, because what happens when you associate into the memory and you run your eyes in random patterns, you are literally scrambling up the combination of how that event originally entered your nervous system. And you will not ever be able to get it back with the same emotional punch ever again. The subconscious mind takes vivid sensory specific imagination as fact. And what you're doing is you're overlaying it and you're reimagining the visual effects of that memory, which is the only way that memory exists, over and over and over again with the most powerful symbols, smells, tastes, colors, and hearing sounds of that of your resources you overlay it with that over and over and over again because the mind the subconscious takes vivid sensory specific imagination as reality you contaminate the original one in a positive way you install a positive virus and you install it in a way that overlays the original one and you've scrambled up the accessing file all that will start to change the history of that emotional state. And I guarantee you, if people do this and they do it diligently, when they have emotional states that they go, why do I feel the intensity of this so much? It's because it's compounded and it has a history and you need to start resolving the historical picture, sounds, and feelings of your memory. You do that, things will change. That's fantastic. That's so strong. And, and, and I can imagine having that facilitated, you know, sitting there with you, sitting there with someone certified in this, like you are, you know, working, working to do, um, even more powerful, right. 
but I love that you've given folks a, a starting point with it to, you know, they can do this. What are, give people a couple of examples of like wins that, you know, that people have overcome and that, and, and in a brief amount of time that's changed okay. their life. Yeah. I'm happy to do that. I was, uh, there, there's lots of them. I mean, in, in the book, I've got case studies and case studies and case studies of people that I worked with. But I just recently was working um, with a, a gentleman down in Australia um, who was uh, SAS, which is sort of the Australian Green Berets and Navy SEAL guys. And he was in Iraq. Was it Iraq? Was it? Yeah, it was Iraq. And um, and he was in a, um, a firestorm of, of bullets. Their, their, their very small elite team was ambushed. And um, he was, many, many of his team members were killed during that particular, you know, firefight. And uh, he was in a hail of bu bullets. Uh, luckily, he had some, a lot of protective gear on. So he was hit, but he wasn't, he wasn't hurt badly. And he had this, that core trauma was so extreme for him that he would, he would have this, this, overt reaction to loud sounds, loud noises, um, gunfire anywhere would just set him into like this hypervigilance fear state where he would start to hyperventilate and he couldn't, he couldn't control it. The other thing that, that happened for him as well is that he had recently gotten married and he found that he would shut himself off emotionally from his wife because he loved her so much. And he lost two people on that particular deployment that was his very, very, very best friends, and they were both killed. And as a consequence, there was a, a deep, profound belief that if I love, I'm going to suffer such pain if I lose them. And the loss can come so unexpectedly because that particular trauma, that came out of nowhere. They were just ambushed, came out of nowhere. He lost his two best friends. He was hit, traumatized for the rest of his life in a matter of moments out of the blue. So his sense is, I have to be hypervigilant all the time because something can happen out of the blue anytime to my beautiful wife that I've just married. So he he would he would back off from really falling deeply and expressing the love he actually had for her. She was suffering because she knew that he loved her, but he couldn't express it. We did the memory resolution technique on that on that particular ambush, and it took us fifteen minutes. And when we were done, I said, "Go back to the experience and tell me what it feels like." He said, "I can't get it back like I used to." And part of his uh, his thing was, he said, "Now it looks, I think, is his." resource color was green. He says, now it looks green. And all I can see is, is green with bolted on crosses, like a Christian cross all over the scene. And he said, it doesn't feel the same. And I said, it never will again. Because what we've done is we've taken an historical event that has never been challenged, never been worked on. And we've scrambled up how it entered your nervous system. We've resourced with the best things of your life. We've overlaid it. So when you remember it again, you won't be able to get it back with the same emotional punch. 
and visually in your mind it won't look the same. And for, I haven't been able to figure out why this happens yet, but for some reason it happens. The person always experiences in the, when they when they first get the event and they get it in their mind, they start to work on it. They're in the event. When we're done with the process, they're outside the event, dissociated, looking as if they were an objective observer. So people become dissociated from the trauma. The trauma looks different and it is organized differently because we've scrambled up the accessing file. It's a very simple technique that people can self-facilitate. So this becomes a, uh, for me anyways, uh, a life mission at this point in my life because I've got a few more miles on me. And I feel like if, if I don't start to get this out there in a big enough way, because what if you had a parent whose child just came home from being bullied at school or beaten up on their way home or traumatized in some other way, and the mother or the father can sit down with their child and go, would you like to feel differently about it? Get their resources, scramble up how the event entered their nervous system, and have that event become whew, half of what it was or nothing. I mean, for me, I'm thinking that is a essential parenting skill, especially with the way the world is now. And for us trying to be in successful relationships, what if we could do that for our partners? What if you have a partner that's been raped or, or molested or some other thing that has happened to them? And they're like, I just, I can't be present because I've got all these triggers going off at me. And the partner's looking at them helpless. Well, the partner could go, Okay, break your state. Let's go for a run. Do, 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 do. Break their state. What the best things that ever happened to you? Color, symbol, sound, smell, taste. Scramble to how those events entered your nervous system. Imagine them completely differently. What if we could help each other heal? So that I mean, it's 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 world changing, you know, like truly, you know, because we. You know, we talk about the, the the positive ripple effect that we can have when we help someone, and they help someone, and they help someone. But what about the negative ripple effect that you prevent by learning a skill like this, by helping someone, you know, helping that child who just went through something, yeah. and and preventing whatever negative reaction that they would have had that they negative effect on how many people throughout their life over the next 30 years because they didn't resolve that you know um it's packing both ways i have some stats on that thank you for bringing that up by the way the world health organization has estimated that there's three million people um a year that die from alcoholism worldwide there's a hundred thousand in the united states that are suffering from drug addiction and what I'm going to say about addiction, it is distinctly, absolutely linked to trauma, unresolved trauma. People are in so much emotional pain that they attempt to anesthetize themselves because the only way that they can feel decent or good or even happy is when they are on a substance. So the unresolved trauma drives incredible degrees of addiction and death. And then you think that each one of those people impact three to five to 10 other people 
I, I was working with a client the other day and she goes, oh, Gary, you know, like I had to go, I had to go pick up my brother from a park because he was, he was absolutely delusional. He had alcohol poisoning. I picked him up and I took him to a hospital and now he's in detox and the whole family, like eight members of the family are absolutely obsessed and destroyed by this young man's ability to self-destruct. You think of, of the children that grow up in alcoholic homes or drug addicted homes or homes where the parents are traumatized and they're trying to come together to find the sanctuary that they, that they should build together, but they can't build it because they're so triggered by the presence of the hope of love and the disappointment of not being able to be loved by someone who is flawed in some way. So as a consequence, there's this pain that gets strewn throughout generations because people are not healing the transgenerational trauma that's been handed down through the generations upon generations upon generations. And for me, it's like, I, I like, I, I, we were talking before and I said, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a quiet guy. I'm a bit of a shy guy. I'm a bit of, you know, I don't like to be ne necessarily front and center stage. I can do it but it takes a lot of energy and effort for me to do it. And I'm sitting around, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, you got a few more gray hairs now, Gary. And, you know, if you don't get this stuff out there, you're going to die a death filled, filled with regrets because you could have and you didn't because of whatever reason. And I'm like, I got the pedal to the metal now. I'm going to launch a whole certification programs. We're going to launch the book. We're going to have online certification. We're going to have live certifications. I'm going to train as many people who will listen in this body of information. Because unless we begin to start healing ourselves, and I, I'm stone cold serious about that. I mean, the Dalai Lama said, the war without will never cease until the war within ceases. We have to do the work now. I mean, who knows how close we are to a global crisis and how close we are to political crises where there is so much tension built worldwide, not just America, worldwide, where people are like, I've just about had enough. And so we have to begin to settle into what we've come here to do. We get to be settling into what's our purpose. There is a spiritual purpose for why we're here. What are we here to learn? What are we here to pay forward? What is it we're doing here? and then start doing it. And we'll always, that purpose will always be linked to how do we impact others in a more positive way? And so I'm just, just, I'm just thinking we all need to shine brighter now. And, and that's the, that's the beauty of it all too, is that it starts with us. It start like it's your big mission purpose out there, no matter what it is and how many people you want to help will always start with you. And if we all take that approach, let me figure this out for me and get past these things so I can better benefit the world. It's massive. Well, I, I keep thinking, you know, and I only have the laboratory of my own self to, to gauge this in, but, um, I know that when I change my energy and when uh, what I mean by that is when I change the thoughts I think, the words I speak, the beliefs that my nervous system has been imprinted by the past memories and experiences to believe, 
And I shift those and redefine those particular experiences. And I turn them into, this is going to go deep, but I turn them into an intended purpose for the evolution of myself rather than violence that has occurred to me that has wrecked and ruined my life. And I turn it into that was the most deepest, most profound in hindsight lesson I could have ever gotten because that drove me to do this. So when I'm able to reframe my the wounds and the victimizations of my life into something that is purpose-driven, that is molding me into the man I've become, if I can reframe that to happen, and I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, it's hard work, but we have to do it because you can't lead anybody anywhere until you've traveled that same road yourself. And when we're able to do that, then what begins to happen is we start being a way more powerful influence in the world because it doesn't necessarily come, it doesn't happen to you out of chance. It happens from you out of intention. So we have to clean ourselves up to gain that, that strength of motivation and the intention to move our life forward because our subconscious mind is this infinite power. It is infinite. And yet most of, I won't say most, but much of its energy is used to suppress and keep in place those things we've not been able to emotionally deal with. And so that energy in Chinese medicine is called the qi that flows through us. That energy, if we no longer are using it to suppress what we know, what we couldn't handle before, and we have it handled, we've reframed it, we've changed it, we've redefined it for ourselves. That energy is no longer used for suppression of what we can't handle. It's used for the execution of what we're here to do. We have to take action now. And that's that's what I'm up for for the next 10 years of my life. Then I'm tattooing myself, piercing myself, living on Maui, and meditating four hours a day. That's my goal. But for the next 10 years, pedal to the metal. I'll be this old wandering man with a stick and a dog <laughs> with the jungle of Maui. But I'm going to do this before I do that. So we got to do it. I love it. I'm up for it. I hope the audience is up for it because it's coming. It is coming. It's fantastic. I think it's to plant a seed for a, for, a, for another episode. But um, you know, as we talk about all this, I, I think the the great irony of relationships is that the only way to really have a successful one is when you don't need it, right? To be happy, to be fulfilled, to be whole. Um, if you've got two people in that space, uh, that's really where the best relationships can come from. Well, I, I think, I think we're, we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be in tribe. We're meant to walk arm in arm with our brothers and sisters into our destinies. And we're meant to do good. And a relationship can be an absolute sanctuary for each other. And, you know, I have worked long and hard on mine. And I was always a dumpster fire in relationships. And I've, I've, I've luckily, because of, of, I think, you know, I attracted to me um, just the perfect partner. And we've been both committed to working on ourselves 
through working on the relationship as well. And I can honestly say I walk into my home every time I walk into my home and I walk into a sanctuary of psychological safety, of love, and of acceptance for everything I am and everything I'm not. And this becomes, I think, what every single one of us deserves to create for themselves and it's creatable. I mean, my God, if I can do something even even next to that, it is like, if I could do it, anybody can do it. I'm serious because it is the most important thing for us is to bond, learn how to love, and learn how to help other people from a well of enoughness rather than I'm not enough. And we can do that, each one of us. Absolutely. This has been phenomenal, Gary. Thank you for this. Um, on behalf of everybody listening, I will thank you for them as well. Because um, it's really strong. I love you, my friend. Uh, I'd love so to do doing this. Absolutely. So much fun. Um, it's kind of the best thing in the world, right? When you can have fun. And it's for the betterment of humanity at the same time. My goodness, like it's a double win. Well, you know, I just, my goal is that that's something that comes, that we share together is going to help someone in some small way, some medium-sized way, some large way, so that um, people can uh, suffer less and wake up to the purpose that they're here to achieve. Because I really believe we each have a part to play and what comes next. I agree. All right, Yuri. God bless you, brother. And you. We'll see you all next time. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Concentric. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd certainly like a great review from you on your favorite podcasting platform. But more than that, what really makes a difference to a show like ours is a recommendation to someone who would love this show like you do. Word of mouth referrals to your network and your podcast devouring friends is incredibly helpful to the growth of this show. For episode links and info, go to concentricshow.com. Thank you so much. And remember to keep building alignment to build a better life.